By the way, Matthew, are you on your best mic situation? I am, but I noticed when I was trying testing it against Discord, it sounded pretty bad. Basically, I'm waiting for Black Friday to buy a, one of those uh, Yeti mics or something like that. I wouldn't be so sure about that because I think people keep buying up those Yetis uh, to mine cryptid currency. What? Hey, really? That's a good yes, joke. I said cryptid currency. It's a joke he's making. Oh, uh, about Yetis being cryptid. Yes. Oh, I mean, cryptid currency. Yeah. That joke came from hell. Now's your chance to be a big shot. This is episode 203 of Insert Credit the relentless smorgasbord of video game topics where our panel of experts must address each one in about five to six minutes or face the penalty in the wrath of a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, still broadcasting from Hollywood, Florida, and if I were stranded on a desert island with five games, I would probably be dead in four days. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield. If I were stranded on an island with five video games, it depends on what kind of island we're talking about. Like if it's uh, one of the islands of Japan, I'd probably do okay. But uh, if there wasn't any people on theirs, you know, I think I would start eating plants pretty quickly. Here's the thing, if it were one of those Japanese islands, you would probably have more than five video games. So it can't That's be true. Okay, okay, good point. So we're talking about like Ireland, maybe. Maybe. I think in Ireland, I would last about a day. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's about right. Speaking of Ireland, uh, joining us this week. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yes, of course. It's me, the Emerald Ale. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Our, our very own uh, Matthew Kumar, a uh, close friend of the show, is joining us. Yep. Hello. I'm Squash, as everybody knows. And oh, if I was trapped on a desert island with five games, of course, one of them would be Sensible World of Soccer! <laughs> <laughs> and then four other copies of Sensible World of Soccer. Yeah, Maybe of one of them would be Lemming. The 97-98 edition, yeah. and then one of the modern editions, and sure. then the Mega Drive version, and yeah, of course. That's all I need. <laughs> that's, that, that's the key to your survival. You'll live a long and happy life off those. Uh, also joining us, because Frank is away on assignment, it gives us an opportunity to uh, welcome another one of our beloved uh, frequent seat warmers. Elizabeth Lids Ryerson is with us. Hello, I'm Frank's replacement temporarily. Yeah, permanently. I was waiting for a discussion on how Amiga games aren't really games or something like that, because retro games people like to slag off Amiga games. Anyway, if I were stranded on a desert island with five games, if I had access to that recycler thing from Prey, 2017 Prey, I would just dump them all in the recycler and have it uh, give me a, a life raft and a um, flare gun and not play the games because they're completely fucking useless. I'm going to say you can do that if that's one of the games you bring. Uh, okay, right. that's one of the games that I yeah. brought with me. All right. I think you're going to need special editions because you need an equivalent amount of material. Oh, right. I should get one of those like Fallout special editions, yeah. you know, that has a bunch of useless plastic junk now that, you know, talking. can be used to, yeah. yeah. Get that yeah. and get um, Steel Battalion for Xbox with a, with a controller. Oh, yeah. You know, the exact game, right? Wasn't one of the Kinect games, didn't it come with a raft that you could inflate? Yeah. Uh, okay, oh, well, clearly yeah. I would choose that game. Right. 
I was thinking, like, are there any games that come with, like, Daki Makuras, but they're inflatable instead of, like, pillow covers? Yeah, I don't know if those rafts were actually, like, usable. I, I don't think you could put it in water. I think it was for sitting on the ground with Beats Connect nothing. Play or Let's Connect. I forget what it was. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Uh, you could get one of those video games that you can only play, like, uh, a station on a cruise line, and uh, that way you get the whole boat. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, okay. Handy. All right. I don't know. I think we're making this too easy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to spend my island playing Sensible World of Soccer, and you guys yeah. can do whatever you like. I'm okay. going to be in Ireland dead in a day. Well, <laughs> yeah. our first question comes from the winner of our last episode, Vincent Diamante. Vince says, nowadays, there are a lot of cheap or even freely accessible games, but that doesn't mean that you don't spend money on them. Ignoring stuff like the standard stuff of customization and energy mechanics. What's the most expensive but worthwhile thing you've purchased for one of these free or cheap games? As an example, Hori made a $200 flight stick for PlayStation 3, ostensibly for games like Ace Combat, but the only Ace Combat game made for that system was the free-to-play and no longer accessible Ace Combat Infinity. I bought one of these and I don't regret it, as it made the game a significantly better experience than any of the software bits you could purchase in-game. Well, I think he's got the best answer. <laughs> yeah, he's killed this one, so... Uh, yeah, yeah thanks, I don't Vincent. really have an answer to this. Um, I should have saved the second half of this for the end of this topic. Right. <laughs> That's a tip to me. I think this is an interesting one because, like, you know, I, I, I do play my, you know, fair enough share of, you know, free-to-play games and stuff. But, like, the cost is always, like, how much do you value your time versus how much do you value, like, getting a bit ahead on something or getting something you really like. And I'm, like... One of those people who, like, apparently just doesn't value their time at all because I will obsessively try and avoid spending any money in these games to just the absolute maximum limits. No matter what is required, it's like, no matter how much smoother it would make my life, I almost I almost invariably refuse to spend any money. I'm the opposite way to where, I mean, it's, it's actually not the opposite because I don't think it actually saves me time. If I determine that I'm going to like a free-to-play game, I'll spend money in the first week, sort of equivalent to how much fun I think I'm going to have and how long I'm going to play it. So I'm I'm playing World Flipper right now. So I, I basically right away, after one day of playing it, I spent $8. But I feel like these days, especially with games out of Japan and Korea, because there are specific laws about gambling and whatnot, the money that you spend, it doesn't really, doesn't really get you some big advantage. It, like, it gets you additional turns at the old gacha machine, but it doesn't feel like I bought something that that got me ahead in the game, really. So to me, it's like a donation <laughs> to the to the cause of like, I think this game is fine. And so I will I will give you money. But I think in terms of, you know, actual value that I've gotten purchasing surrounding a, a free to play game, it's got to be ones where it's like shareware style, where like Doom or whatever you uh you got the first few levels free and then you pay for the rest of them. I appreciate that model and like the, you know, unlock the version that has no ads and has all the content unlocked. You know, like that's right. for me, that's the that's the best kind of thing that you can purchase. And yeah, I'll always buy that. It's yeah, it's it's wild when a company like PopCap, for example, they took Bejeweled 3, which was great on iPad and had all these cool modes and stuff. And then they made it free to play. I think I've told this story on the podcast before. They made it free to play with an update. So if you updated it, even if you bought it for 10 bucks in the past, then it still became free to play, had energy mechanics, limited how much you could play it, 
uh, remove some of the modes and put them into like an energy mechanic and things. And my girlfriend, she just had the auto updates on it. So she updated the $10 game she had purchased and then it became unusable in the way that we were using it before. And I didn't update. And so I still have the game, but it's like, <laughs> it's like no longer the game that you paid for it. So that's, that's the, the opposite thing happening there. They, they just like screwed everybody. You got yourself a zombie game. That's right. It's a, just like the cranberries, just because we were talking about Ireland. It's in, right. it's in your head. Zombie. Zombie. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, I just thought of something. Uh, when I was in college, I, w- I found out that you could mod uh, PS2 and have a hard drive, like use the network adapter oh, yeah. uh, to put a hard drive in the back and like, you know, download ISOs. So I did that, but I was like, I'm going to put a mod chip in. I'm going to install a mod chip because I had like just started using like a soldering gun and I didn't know what I was doing at all. So I completely bricked the PS2. So I had to buy a new PS2. I had to buy the right kind of hard drive. I had to buy the network adapter. I had to buy something called Swap Magic, which was like yeah, that one. something. Yeah, which you don't really need to use anymore. I had to buy an, an adapter for USB out to uh you know the older kinds of hard drives i forget what ide cable or whatever i'm trying to think of what else i had to buy but like for for the amount of uh time and resources that i spent investing in being like oh i'm gonna pirate these games yeah i'm gonna have like 30 or 40 ps2 games i still spent like 100 or 150 dollars yeah nice i did a similar thing back in college i mean uh vince who proposed this question he he was the one who had the hard drive situation. Um, that was a couple of years later. But I got the uh, DMS3 mod chip on my PS2. It's still in there. And I traded um, a guy a fish for it. Did I tell this story? Oh, whatever. Who cares? You can hear it again. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about I, it. Yeah, I traded him a fish for it. It still works. And I uh, the, not the, the mod chip, not the fish. But I went to a, a pet store and I, I saw this mini shark. And I was like, man, that's cool. It, it was just like three inches long. I was like, this this mini shark, can it live with other fish? Is that fine? He had like all these nice tropical fish. And they're like, yeah, totally. It's it's uh it's non-aggressive. It's just a little little guy. And so I gave him this uh I gave him this fish and then it just like every other day there was another fish missing his tank. And uh and eventually there was pretty much just like a happy shark and one fish that was too big for it to eat. <laughs> and that was all that was in there. And uh, so yeah. I, I gave that guy a, a real negative. That's what happens when you buy your friend a game shark. Hey. Uh, okay. It's I'm, and I'm amusing to me that we went um, from talking about free to play and we didn't mention whales at all, but got an entire discussion about sharks. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> How do you make blocking or defense mechanics as fun as attacking in a video game? Oh yeah. Well, I, one thing is with cool animations that helps a lot. That counts a lot. You know, we talk about Oscar a lot on this show here, but they're parrying is done through like clashing and attacking. And so, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but if you can be pressing and feeling active while you're doing it, like say the block requires inputs and buttons, then it'll actually feel fun, which I think is why people enjoy the parries so much in Street Fighter 3 and and that, that whole group of games, because you have to tap forward at the right moment to do that just defend parry. It really feels like you're doing it. There's something about pushing forward to block versus pushing back to block that makes it feel not aggressive, but active. You're you're really participating in doing it. So I feel there there needs to be this like friction of action that happens rather than a, you know, you hit back at the right time. You're you're not retreating your advance. 
I, I think you could design a game just around blocking and try and make that. I mean, theoretically, you could design a game where you try to make the blocking feel excellent, but then try to make the attacking feel horrible. You think of like attacking in like a, I don't know, like a Silent Hill game or something where you're trying to attack an enemy and they're just like a meat sponge and it feels horrible and the controls are horrible. <laughs> you could do that for attack. Because like I think about the original Mortal Kombat games when you tried to block, it was terrible because they just like were just like, Ugh. they just like hold up a thing. It looks it looks awful. But if you like invested a lot of time and energy and feedback around this like idea that blocking is the most awesome thing that you could do, then you could make that kind of game. Yeah, it, it just seems more uh, investment in time and priorities and like what type of game you're making. I can't remember the name of that rel free to play game that was all blocking. Just do different kinds of blocks, but then <clears throat> your block would. I think it was An a endless runner. runner. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't endless because it had stages and stuff, but it was like it was an auto scroller. Was it also a first person shooter in an RTS? It was not. It was neither. Oh, okay. I think it was Roblox. It was probably Roblox. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you know that? Uh, oh, never mind. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to bring that up. I've I've just excised what I was about to say. What? Fair enough. I was what? about to make fun of Tommy Tallarico, but I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stoop to that. Okay. I mean, it it wouldn't be the first time on this show. Let me tell you. He he apparently likes to claim that uh, he came up with the like sound in Roblox, and now I think of that ever. No, no. So so that's that's true. It's but he didn't come up with it in Roblox. What happened is someone. uh, I guess Frank has has mentioned this on the show before, but someone used that oof sound uh, that Tommy Tallarico's team had made. Oh, and and then he sued them, and then he got to put his name in the credits as having created that part (laughs) of the big oof. That's what <laughs> the big oof sounds like a terrible comedy with like aging boomers in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. My hip. It's on right after the Connor. What's that? Uh... Oh, that's the spinoff of Roseanne starring everybody <laughs> but Roseanne. Uh... Roseanne minus Roseanne because Roseanne yeah. got canceled. Wow. Is that, that's a real show, I guess. Yeah, yes, it's like it's it third season or something. Wow. OK, wait, it's going on now. Yes. yes. In real life. Yeah, they, they rebooted Roseanne and then she said, I don't know, racist or sexist. I don't even remember what she said. She said all kind of weird stuff. And then she got she kicked off of the show. Yeah. And then they continued making the show just without her. <laughs> That's, all right. So is John Goodman in, or is he? Not yes. Yeah, John Goodman's still in it. He's okay. still in it. He lost quite a bit of weight. I mean, he definitely looks old, but he lost weight. Well, I guess that's the answer to whatever question we're talking about. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Here's question three. I heard a terrible rumor that Quantic Dream is talking to the Star Wars people right now about making a Star Wars game. What do you think they're talking about doing with Star Wars right now? Well, there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be a David Cage self-insert, and he's going to be Nazis is called racing. His self-insert could be Anakin, right? Because because like all all these David Cage games are like I murdered somebody, but I didn't really. It's somebody else's fault. Like I did this bad thing, but it's actually somebody else's fault. It's not my responsibility. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> yeah, so it's Anakin, and it's just like, oh wow, the universe is conspiring against me. Like, oh wow, the Force is just like. You know, I have satanic forces and it's like I didn't kill all those kids or whatever he does in like one of the Jedi movies. Cancel culture made me kill those young lings. Yes. Yeah. It's all about cancel culture. It was all a misunderstanding and a satanic cult. Oh, and I think also they'll put in an ending that the fans don't like and then they'll go back and change it. 
uh, to something that the fans do, uh, that they think the fans will like, and then they'll be mad at that. Because they did it with the Detroit human thing. The, the one interesting thing they did was remove the android from the title screen, screen because she'd become emancipated. She was just not a slave anymore. And then they're like, hey, where's my android? Or where's my android? And then where's that droid I'm looking for? We, we put a new one in there instead. So you got a new slave. yes there there should also be an explicit sex scene with a female uh droid sure yeah r2d2 with big uh big chest bumps yeah oh and you can you can uh turn your lightsaber on and off by like slowly squeezing the the analog triggers so that like it'll go warring you're rotating your playstation move forth and back like (laughs) you have to do it you have to do a quick time thing to activate your lightsaber if you fail you just fall down it's like that this is the end of my story this is how i died sorry you could tell that you could tell the indigo prophecy is the only one i really seriously played man i really hope this doesn't happen guys i like star wars oh i hope it does happen i don't like star wars i'm not on side with you brandon i desperately wish this not to happen Uh, david cage sucks such an incredible amount and he's as long established extremely toxic and it's just one of those baffling rumors, which is like, like so many things where you're like, do you people not read what's going on? Like this guy's in a court case in France, right? Like he's the worst dude. He's just the worst. And his games, as pointed out, self-insertion, terribly written, uh, completely moronic on basically every level. And so it just seems like a really baffling, like what kind of agreement is being made like i don't even understand why sony still works with them do you know what i mean like it just it doesn't I, make any sense on any level how this guy could continue to fail upwards considering every single the only thing he's ever done that's been interesting i think is that first segment in indigo prophecy where you're like oh i need to hide this body blah 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 yeah. and then when the guy comes in based on what you've done the game like he does he reacts differently to it and you can play it different ways, which is like the only thing he's ever done that seems slightly interesting. But that comes after him appearing at the beginning of the game, being like, hello, yeah. it's me, David Cage. Welcome to my video game. And you're already in a bad mood by that point. So I can't do <laughs> anything worse than like booting up the next Star Wars games. And Star Wars games have not been particularly good for a long time. They're all terrible, like extended universe That's things. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's already that franchise has already been mined to death i liked fallen order become more of a garbage fire than it was before we'll say so and i mean i would feel bad for anybody who had to work for him or anybody you know who had time and energy and money invested in this i mean i think that is ridiculous and that just shows you how little any of this stuff is taken seriously i mean it's been said many times cancel culture isn't really actually real when it comes down to it because the people are able to continue to do the things that they were doing before. As long as you're a white man with money, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't actually affect you very much. And, and I, I think a lot of the people who have money, they're not paying attention to that. They just know that David Cage is a name and they could could sell something with that. And he also has like stock because he has, you know, he worked with David Bowie and he has like you know, he has this kind of a cinematic sensibility. So I imagine people from Hollywood who are who don't really follow the space at all would be, you know, taken by that in the same way they were taken by crappy FMV games in the 90s. So I don't know. I, I think if it does get made, I, I want to see the end result because I hope it's hilarious and everyone makes fun of it. But uh, obviously, I don't want it to get made. I mean, the history of Star Wars games is so weird that even a Quantic Dream Star Wars game could not possibly be the worst Star Wars game. That's yeah, I mean, already there's, happened. There's the Connect one. Yeah. There's Master Tedakasai. Yeah. Like the thing is, though, like 
I mean, I think possibly me and Jaffe may be alone. Like, people, like, I'm really, really fond of Star Wars. Like, me too. For its ups and downs, like, I think that, like, because I think it's so easy now for people to be, like, really just down on, like, you know, big IP, right? They're like, oh, Marvel's ruining everything, blah, 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 right? And I, like, you know, I understand That's me, it. by the way. <laughs> There's also, like, if things are well made, even within a titanically huge IP, it still can be a good transformative experience. There's certain Star Wars works, and yes, including Marvel works, who actually get to be genuinely good at being mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be. I mean, The Mandalorian's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Well, apart from the last episode, but that's... Sure. But yeah, the last the point. So, as someone who's fond of it, the idea of getting, like, a nasty French sex pest to make yeah. your cra- a crappy game with moral choices and like terrible cinematics and big robot titties is the last thing on earth I want and we should send death squads to France immediately if this is what's going to happen. So yeah. I'm, the, I'm um, the sicko in the window saying yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also the sicko in the window saying yes. If it is made, I hope it's a complete train wreck and and yeah, and yeah we can all enjoy laughing at I it. I just can't. Maybe too sad. Um, in conclusion... I thought Fallen Order was pretty good. They're like Dark Souls light game. I liked that. And Squadrons is pretty good. Squadrons no, is okay. I don't like Squadrons at all. We can talk about that later. It's not as good as the originals, but like it's got no. kind of a thing going for it. Which games were the most interesting to you prior to their release? Um, mm. I hear David Cage is making a uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Game. Game. <laughs> <laughs> Have you all heard of that game, Cruelty Squad? Heard of it? Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't. No. Okay, it's a very I don't want to describe it. I'm terrible at describing these things. Well, you got it. He's right. It's it's a very strange, uh, immersive sim first person game with like color barf aesthetics, and it's kind of nihilistic. It's like late '90s computing visuals, but done on purpose, but with also some like weird CG ish stuff. And then there's a lot of strangeness to the to the gameplay, and yeah, it's all intentional. Yeah, it's kind of. satirical a little bit yeah but it, it doesn't wind up feeling um twee or or no too, like, it's it's earnest about it yeah it's more like gross like grindhouse type thing than yeah twee for whatever reason i had followed the developer like you know in the making of it and he was posting like just random videos from it and i was like wow this looks like a really bizarre interesting art game and i my interest was kind of peaked and then you know it kind of blew up and became a thing but i don't know i guess that's an answer of something that like i had a almost completely different perception of what the game was and and you know how people would receive it uh before it came out yeah it uh definitely did not predict that that game was going to do well or have prominent streamers playing it but there there it went it, and it's good to see that that kind of thing can happen to a game like that i mean yeah i still haven't played it yet i'm still intending to but i've watched a lot of the other people play it and i'm extremely into it i was excited about that other game that i can't even remember the name of that has all those goddamn amazing gifs of hands making motions in front of the camera and it's it's an rpg and all the characters in the background are like they look like they're claymation but they're probably it all looks so weird and everything's jiggling around i don't remember what it's called figure sorry. that one out <laughs> yeah <laughs> see if you can figure that Oh, it's called Jiggly Hands. There's Someone knows a what I'm talking teaser about. For uh, yeah, I was excited for that game. There was like the thing, and then the thing did the <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, real good. blockbuster video patron I, I think here. You, I think you you asked me about, you're like, what's some indie game that's like lo-fi and in 3D? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, Brendan, that's like uh, yeah. 8 million games. 
I'm going to figure it out. I was a lot more excited about Yakuza Like a Dragon before it came out than after it came out. I, I still like it, but it is my least favorite Yakuza game because I think the battle is not good. Yeah. Prolongs the game a lot. And the protagonist, they, they talk about how they could do all kinds of different things with him that they couldn't do with Kiryu. But really, he's just a lot like Kiryu, but not as good and they they should have done something with like the lone shark guy from four and five like that that guy's actually different uh kasuga ichiban is like a cure you light in my opinion i'll tell you nothing killed the hype for kingdom hearts 3 like the release of kingdom hearts 3 oh that's for sure mm. i tried to play that thing that thing has three intros and after the three intros i had no idea what was going on well that's common for the entire series it is but like come on just don't do any intros then. Just like throw me into it, you know? Like, why do I have to wait an hour of explanation of things I can't understand before I start playing the game? I don't understand. To some respect, the way we've talked about this question, it's a bit like, what is a game that came out you were then disappointed by? I mean... Oh, yeah. Rather... See, I, in I interpret it differently. I was just going to say that, like, for me personally, like, I think I've steadfastly, like, for what feels like decades now, just refused to be excited by any forthcoming video games because all I can think about is my backlog. Just because of the way I, I consume video games, all I can think about is I, I, it's just like every game that's going to come out, I think, please be delayed. Please take longer. I just, I'll never get to you anyway. So like, even like, I mean, what, Nintendo's going to announce a bunch of stuff in like uh, 40 minutes or whatever like that. And I'm going to be like, just it, don't be anything good. Just be some rubbish so I can go another year with having to buy any more video games. You know, it's funny you should mention that because that takes us right into our next topic. It's time for yet another improv zone, everybody. I, knew this was coming. Oh, oh, man, no. I was in the shower today and I thought, I know what's going to come up. <laughs> so our Sony presentation in the last episode we recorded was so successful that all of you were asked to represent Nintendo at the Surprise Nintendo Direct, which will be taking place right after we record this episode. So I want you to provide us with a look at what's coming from all of our uncles who work at Nintendo. Here For the first 40 minutes, we're going to be talking about Smash. We got one new character. He's an anime. He's an anime and he's got a sword. And uh, his hair is blue this time. And uh, here's 40 minutes about the very specific mechanics of it. Everybody who's not interested, you can just uh, come back in 45 minutes <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll have something else for you. But in the first 45 minutes, I'll smash about this one character. Please enjoy. Also, here's 10 minutes of clips of some Marvel game that is ported uh, from PS5 and runs at 15 frames per second that I'm sure you'll be into. Also, hello, did you enjoy what you've seen so far in this presentation? <laughs> Do you enjoy this plant that is sitting in the corner of the room? Up next, we have five different indie games that will allow you to be a small business tyrant and lord <laughs> over your small town. All right, guys, it's me, Dogs Bowser. Uh, you remember me, all the gags about being called Bowser um, and maybe a reference to another video game there. Well, you've all been excited about the fact that we have a new controller coming for the Switch. You've been talking about that FEC filing and all that. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It is, in fact, the return of the Wii Pulse Oximeter. That's Woo! right. You stick your finger in the thing, and it's going to tell you uh, how much oxygen is back. in your blood. And the only game it works with is Dr. Mario, and he simply informs you how to deal with your COVID symptoms, which you may have, because that's what we're testing you for. So um, Dr. Mario tests you for COVID. That'll be out. Uh, it'll be $69, um, include the Pulse Oxy Oximeter. Nice um yeah we we all agree at nintendo it is very nice and it will not work with any other game for the life of the system 
that's all we're going to do with it. Um, but please buy. And it, we will only manufacture a thousand copies, so it will never be in print. Uh, we also have some new amiibos. Speaking of that, these amiibos are uh, the only way that you can get some new uh, missions in Breath of the Wild, some new content. You have to buy these amiibos. They cost $20 each. Uh, you can only buy them physically in stores at GameStop. And uh, that we guarantee, our promise to you, is that they will sell out within five minutes. You will not be able to buy one. And there is no other way to get any more content for Breath of the Wild. That is our promise to you. Um, we also have an announcement. We know you're all waiting for the Switch Pro. We hear you talking about the Switch Pro. So we, we are, in fact, announcing it a little early. And it has one additional button. That's our big news. There's one button. That button says, it's a me Mario. In any game. <laughs> any, any, any game that you play, you can say, it's a me Mario. The new console <laughs> will be $349. It also has already sold out. I haven't announced, we haven't fully announced it yet, but it's, it's, it's sold out because they, they need that. Are you a fan of the Mario Brothers? I am. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to announce the Mario Collection. It features Mario 1, Mario 2, Mario 2's Adventure in Mario 2, <laughs> a special new version of Mario 2, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the game will be on stores shelves for a limited time. It will feature nothing else, and the game will sell for $70. We will sue you if you try to play Mario 2's Adventure in Mario 2 in any other way. And of course, we are well aware that everyone wants to hear a lot about Pokemon. You've heard about Smash, now hear about Pokemon. Um, we're releasing a new Pokemon title for the new Switch Pro, Polygon's Pokemon Polygon Parade, in which we have done every single Pokemon in as high detail polygons as possible. There are so many polygons in every single Pokemon. You can look at them, you can turn them, you can look at them, you can turn them. That's about it, but it should make you happy. We've also created a, a brand new algorithm to detect when fan games are being made before they even begin. And we will send you a cease and desist. Just when you think about the it. The moment you wake up with the idea. Yes. We will mobilize an army of fans with unpaid labor for sending cease and desist letters to our fan games across the globe. Sincerely, Nintendo. Sincerely, Nintendo. Did I ever tell you about the time when I was a kid that I thought about sending $10 to Nintendo just because I thought they were doing such a good job? <laughs> Are you dark? <laughs> oh, wow. We'll wow. be right back after a quick break. Should have sent it to Sega. They might still have a console. <laughs> no, I didn't like Sega. Did you have a CD of Say No to Drugs raps as well? Have you guys listened to um, the McGruff the Crown Dog album? Yes! Oh, it's so good! I just know about that inhalance banger. Learned a lesson so true. It's all about inhalants. Yeah, and my favorite one is uh, cocaine and crack. That's what you say you love. Because I love that it's being sung to someone who who is told McGruff that they love cocaine and crack. And oh, man. I'm glad I saw you, McGruff. You know what I love? The thing y'all were talking about reminded me of this multiplication rap VHS tape that I have. Nice. That, that's pretty good. Learn quickly and easily with cool rap songs. White dude with a backward cap. Oh, the universal rapper song. 
Whoa, this was a Dr. Toy winner for the 10 best video from. Yep. You gotta trust Dr. Toy. He's one yeah. of the best doctors of toys. All right, welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to dive headfirst into the dirt bag. This is the uh, part of the show that Matthew hates the most. But <laughs> yeah. It's also the one where I uh, take a question from our astute listeners who value the content we put out every week for some reason and uh, give us a little bit of money so that they can get access to this form that lets them submit their own questions and uh, get exclusive bonus episodes that pop up every month and some other content and even get access to the regular episodes one day early. Wait, how many early? One day early? Oh, that's one day early. This week's question comes from Privately Attack, who says the staff at Atlas Japan ate some bad hamburgers the other day and decided the next title in the Shin Megami Tensei series will be set in an American Midwestern town. What classic cryptids make their appearance as summonable demons in this thrilling new JRPG? Wow, this is a very specific question. The Blue Yeti mic. The Blue Yeti mic. I don't know a lot about cryptids, so uh, I'll just say because we have a Scottish uh, friend on the podcast, the Loch Ness Monster. Nice. Oh, well, yeah. that famous I mean, American in, cryptid. In the, in the Great Lakes, in the in the Great Lakes region. Hey, I'm from the Midwest. We'll just say that there's a Loch Ness Monster. Sure, why not? Don't the Great Lakes have Ogopogo? I don't know. What about the West Virginia thing? Uh, what is that called? There's a West Virginia one. Is it racism? No. I mean, that's everywhere. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's not a cryptid. It's a real one. Why, why, why if, we, if it's set in the U.S., does it have to be cryptids, though? Like, I mean, I thought the whole thing with Shin Megami Tensei was it was like demons and creatures from folklore. Mothman. I was thinking of Mothman. I think what Privately Attack is uh, thinking is that a lot of the Shin Megami Tensei monsters are from Japanese folk. Yeah, but loads yeah. of them aren't. Like, I mean, Block this monster was just brought up, right, as a joke, a racist joke against me, apparently. <laughs> I'm the fucking butt of the joke because I've got an... Like, I, don't, I don't know of any cryptids. Now, here's what I'm going to bring up right now. See last episode that I listened to? You people were talking about, oh, we don't have an accent, or people from some parts of America have an accent, but here I don't have an accent. What the hell are you people talking about? <laughs> You've got an American accent, you goddamn morons! <laughs> the most thing I've ever listened to! Americans talk about they don't have accents! No, this is just how English says. First of all, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we said that. And second of all, America's king of the world, and just gotta get over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I found one from Ohio, right below the Loch Ness monster on this list, the Loveland Frog, which who is a humanoid frog. I've never heard of this, and I am from Ohio. Oh. The Mothman is the one from West Virginia that I have heard of. I mean, I guess there's the Jersey Devil, but that's from New Jersey, which is not the Midwest. It doesn't have to be the Midwest. Okay. There's that whatchamacallit mermaid that's that's like a spooky little face on a tiny fish body that um, they used to show in carnivals. That's one. We got the Yeti. We got Chupacabra, which comes up from down south. A sentient version of the Ohio State Buckeye mascot. Yeah, yeah there a you go. Tornadoes. Um, I would say the Wicked Witch of the West, but for some really screwed up reason the wizard of oz is not public domain uh, yeah. oh what no i thought it was no i think warner brothers owns it. Hmm. it's not one of those things though a bit like um what's the other thing where like you could license the books but you can't license the movies uh, or one of those things where it's like you can license uh like, wizard yeah. of oz but the, the witch can't be green and the shoes can't be red or something because those are things which are connected to the copyright of the movie i think it's one yeah. of those 
it might be similar to like in Disney movies because of yeah they're all adapted from yeah, public they, domain. They were able to get away with that musical, so yeah, you could probably stick a witch in there. Yeah, but she just can't be green. I was thinking there'd be a lot of like alien shit, you know, like greys and stuff like that, because that's like a big mm, that's, oh, that's American true. folklore. American folklore, you know, like a, a, a grey alien coming and poking up the bum, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a thing. I mean, Americans are obsessed with ghosts and, and haunted buildings. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are obsessed with it, but I, I remember that being a huge, ever-present thing. And I am also a fan of the television show Ghost Adventures, which I feel like is one of the most American shows in the universe, for better or for worse. Wh- one of the monsters would be like at n- in night vision they would be like a night vision character that was always in night vision because ghosts okay. are always in night vision yeah right i think since it's made in japan we'd wind up also with a lot of uh like first nations deities and stuff so you'd get like yeah cocapelli they and... don't have the same baggage yeah using those as we do yeah some of those in there you might get anansi uh, i don't know where anansi is from but um that's african yeah that's african, african. Yeah. i think nigeria maybe yeah I think you wind up with uh, some of that, and then just a bun- whole bunch of whole bunch of nonsense. You'd probably get Ronald McDonald, get the hamburger in there. That's a crazy. <laughs> it it would it would probably make sense to have African folk tales because those are sure those are part. Yeah, I think it'd probably just be Ronald McDonald, the hamburger. Oh yeah, corporate mascots, and then Treasure would make it instead of Atlas. Yeah. Well, how about Treasure just make everything instead of Atlas? So. Yeah. There we go. Actually, I think that's totally bang on. I mean, like, not to get uh, too uh, clever here, but I, I really do think that uh, in uh, in America, really, the corporations are your guys' gods, wouldn't you that's say? That's true. And, yeah. um, so when you really think about it, I, I do believe that all of the <laughs> creatures in this game would probably be, uh, you know, they would be like uh, McDonald's mascots and, uh, you know, Burger King mascots. Jake from State Farm. I can't tell if you're, like, doing a voice or you're mid-yawn. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to do a voice of an extremely boring person just right. saying extremely obvious shit. But yeah, I do think it would just be full of like McDonald's and Burger King and Jake from sure. State Farm and Jake from State Farm. Yeah, God, Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm is just like quietly menacing. He's like, "Hey guys," and it's like he's secretly stealing your soul, but he's just like, "I'm yeah, Jake from State Farm." The <laughs> omnipresent Jake. I'd fight him in a video game. Did you see that amazing NBA 2K22 yes. uh, clip? Where he's yeah. just like, your your player oh, character just walking that. along and he's like, hey, it's me, Jake from State Farm. I'm going to give you the drip. And he dresses his character in a bunch of State Farm shit. Fucking hell. The weird thing about Jake from State Farm is that they replaced the guy who plays Jake from State Farm. <laughs> Jake from State Farm is beyond Jake from State yeah. Farm. Yeah. He's like a couple actors removed from the original Jake from State Farm. He strikes me as one of those, you know, when those players horror games where it's like you turn around and they're standing right behind you. That's yeah, why I'm, he's just, that's you turn around, Jake from State Farm, right there. Hey, it's me, Jake from State Farm. Be like, ah, oh, I need you to run away. Turn the camera again. He's behind you. I just want to say that I've done a good enough job of isolating myself from popular culture that my first exposure to Jake from State Farm was that NBA 2K yes. video that good went job. around last week. That's good. Wow. I didn't know about him before that. Uh, so I guess he's a little bigger than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah, unfortunately, I watch sports games, basketball sometimes, so I have seen all yes. that shit. Oh, he is go. everywhere in sports games. Oh my god, it is so annoying. They'll have him in, like, comic book question and answer panels, like, as a guest what? question asker. It does, is he do, like, a State Farm ad when he's asking questions? He's like, yeah. can you tell me yeah. why it's better for you investing? And they're like, get this fucking man out of here. Like, in the security. He's like, what do you think it means to be a good neighbor? Ah, uh, 
piss off. How would you feel if you were in the middle of a panel and someone just starts doing an advertisement yeah. at you? It's like, I d- get me out of your world right now. I, I do not want to exist in your world. Isn't that what podcasts are supposed to be? Like we, okay. we have a panel and then there's a there's an ad in, in the middle. Yeah, that is exactly what podcasts are. Well, I can't wait for that check from State Farm to come in. Oh, yeah. All that many times we've said we it, get him on here. and I get so much money. That would be our podcast, but we can't get any advertisers on this show. We should get the man great. <laughs> the man- we should get the man great. <laughs> Who are the heroes and role models in the modern video game industry? Oh, heck. What do you mean by modern? What, what's your what's your window there? The ones who are still active right now. Okay. Mario is the person that I live my life by. Uh, he's a, a true <laughs> hero, and I love him, and I want to be Mario when I grow no, up. No, I mean, I mean, like, people who work in video games. Who are the good people? Uh, okay. Are there any heroes left? You're going to like that uh, It's a Me button on the new Switch Pro. Yeah. I, okay. I sh- certainly am. I'm going to buy all the copies of it, and no one else can have it, because Mario is mine. Um, I'm just getting word that they're removing that button, and now you can only access it with the It's Amiibo. Oh, that's a not so nice. Well, I bought all the copies of that, too, because I must have Mario. Um, I'm trying to think of a serious answer, and I don't want to, like... I don't want to puff too many people up. You know, there are people like, you know, every time I interacted with uh, John Romero, when I've met him in person, he's been, you know, nice and friendly. But, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, this is the the greatest guy ever because I'm sure he's done a lot of stupid shit because I know he has in the past. Is he still active in the game industry? Yeah, Romero Games, him and uh, Brenda, I think, have a company. Yeah, correct. In Ireland, no less. In Ireland, yeah. Or you would die after a single day. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to talk about people that, I don't know, we could talk about people that are socially progressive and, and helping there and probably worth doing, but I would want to think about it some more. But just in terms of like a hero of game development who does a good job of it, who inspires me, that Hirokazu Yasuhara guy, every time I talk to him, I get ideas. And he showed this amazing tutorial that he made for teaching people game design in Unity. He's like, here's a here's a plane. Here's just a, like a, a field, basically. Like it's, it's an empty area. So there's nothing here. It's a possibility space where we can do anything. Now let's put a ball in it. The ball doesn't do anything. It's just there. But now it's red. And so we got some visual appeal. And now what if we bounce it up and down? Okay, now there's something moving. He says exactly like Bob Ross. You just made him sound exactly Bob Ross. The Bob Ross of video games. Yeah, I guess he is kind of the Bob Ross of video games. Then he's like, okay, but if we have multiple balls bouncing at different speeds and rates now we have something that we get kind of hypnotic you can actually list, uh, look at and now and then he gets into like moving characters around and if you do that within these like within this possibility space what will happen if you do this or that and it's just all like leads you to think about game design in a way that is so so simple but inspiring and is like yeah th- i guess this is what this is you know <laughs> it's uh so that's that's one of my bids is yasuhara he's cool it's a good answer Good answer. Good answer. I mean, you know, for me, I really have to say that uh, the uh, heroes of the games industry for me are really the little people. We're talking about the QA. You know, the... I was going to say that, like, unironically. Oh, that, yeah, but no. Um, when I think of someone who I found really inspiring recently, without really having much connection to them, actually, I think Michael Bro as kind of an outsider, kind of yeah, artist sure. guy, I find super inspiring. I don't like everything he does, but Mm -hmm. kind of specifically the way that he kind of like comes up with the idea and then polishes it to an insane degree. And it's always such a limited idea. It's like, what if the characters can move across four spaces or six spaces or whatever like that? 
and sort of rolls with the punches of the design in terms of like something weird happens so he makes that something and i really can't think of a almost like a more singular vision than something like single pause it's mm. not a hundred percent to my taste but it's obviously a hundred percent kind of to his taste so like i kind of yeah. like um really really appreciate people who just come out and they say this is what i'm doing like it or lump it um also it's what seven dollars or something and that i'm not gonna make it a dollar so yeah. uh yeah I, i'm into it you know I, I really like what he does i agree i've known michael for a while on and off and i've always had good interactions with him he's a nice guy pretty low-key guy so yeah i mean anytime that there's anybody who is doing their own vision and they're not a huge you know networking asshole about it um, I think that's a small victory. I mean, I always had positive interactions with Jake Elliott, who was one of the people who made Kentucky Route Zero, for example. I mean, I, I don't know him very well, but I've always liked Incrapara's games, Stephen Lavelle's games. I think his games are very, very unsung, and he's made a lot of different kinds of things. I don't know. There's a lot of people. I, I feel like almost silly like naming particular people because i don't want to like you know people to get all cult of personality around particular folks because i've been in the indie space and people have a tendency to do that but there are plenty of like nice reasonable people and anytime that anyone is able to do something unique and of a singular vision and they're not a huge asshole about it i consider that a a small victory yeah uh, one thing i was going to say in response to that i know we didn't want to talk too much about like social stuff or whatever like that is that you know for a lot of these, for some of these people, they might have some level of privilege that's allowed them to be able to do that. Yeah. And there's a lot more people out out there. Like I think a lot of those people we think of actually are just like straight white dudes, right? So like, yeah, I think one of the things that when I think about that, like I want people to have more position to to create their own singular visions and and games and be supported in that way for them to get into the world. So I suppose like that is one of the ways to to think about it, not to get all what I was parodying earlier, but you know, like I think like there should be more of these kinds of heroes in the games industry and we should be more aware of them because they probably are out there and we just they don't have the ability to do the things that they don't have the press behind them or whatever not that michael bro is like always at the front page of kataka or anything like that <laughs> mm. so the true heroes are the unknown gamers i would yes have to of course say. yeah we should build like a, some sort of uh <laughs> yeah the tomb of the unknown gamer tomb, yeah the tomb of the unknown gamer yeah so passion orange guava has contacted you to help them make a video game promoting their brand but they've warned you that while they've grudgingly agreed that the game can reference pogs if it must, the emphasis should be on the juice itself. How do you implement pogs into this mostly juice-based game? I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, this is a Jake from State Farm for me because I don't have a fucking <laughs> clue what we are talking about. You don't remember pogs from the 90s? So so pogs were based off of yeah. a company that sold juice and I think yes. based in Hawaii? Yes, um, they were based in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize it was juice. I thought it was milk. <laughs> No, no, it's made out of passion fruit, orange juice, and guava juice. That's why they're so, pogs. Okay, so what is the question again? I'm sorry. Um, you're making a pog video game, and they really don't want the emphasis to be on the toy pogs. They want to promote the juice, uh, okay. but they're no. letting you put pogs in if you must. So how are you going to implement pogs into this mostly juice-based game? What, what era am I in? Am I right now? Uh, you're in right now, yes. Sorry, I'm still confused. We have to implement pogs into this no, game. No, no, no. They, don't they don't want, want you to. to. So we don't. You said that like we did have to implement pogs. No, the company doesn't want you to. But you know that the pog fans will be expecting the pog toys in there. So we have to have hidden pogs. Here's what I would do. We got passion fruit, orange, and guava. Those are our three characters in mm -hmm. our uh, 
in our squad based juice FPS. First person juicer. Is it like Splatoon? It's I, like I Splatoon. Think... We're shooting juice all over the place. Yeah, I think it's something very liquidy. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing that. And pogs are just power up that you collect. And you collect it, and then you can activate your pog, and it'll like slam a big pog down on top of everything, or it'll spin across the the world and and do some stuff, knocking enemies away. One of the, one of the hidden items will say Alpha's back in pog form. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I think the Simpsons would shut that one down. No, but um, it's just a very hidden. Oh yeah, if you hide a copyright violation very well, then you can get away with it. That's how it works. Yeah, I think I would be doing that, and then um, it would all take place on the exotic isle of hawaii and i would have a bu- okay this is gonna get dark but there should gonna... there should be there should sorry i was gonna say there should be piss physics okay <laughs> oh no this is a little sidebar there just just to throw that in there there should be piss physics. Piss physics. yeah um just like in crypt world yeah that would really fit into their slogan passion orange guava the juice that makes you piss yeah that's a good one um i was thinking yeah i would just have like Tourism boards and hotels advertise in there and to, to just, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have, have you, any of you been to Hawaii? You've been there? No, no, no. It's a, it's a wild place because, uh, everyone who's from there can barely afford to live there because the entire state is now, uh, in service of tourism by and large. And mm-hmm. so like Mark Zuckerberg is buying up like multi-million dollar Island or whatever, and no native people can go there and, and all the native people have to work. Yeah. Maybe you could piss on Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, maybe you could piss on Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, everyone has to work for the hotel. I, I think the people who run sure. Passion Orange Guava might not be too upset with that. It is a Hawaii-based company. Okay, well, let's, let's get them. You, you, uh, you pee on the rich people. Hawaii used to be self-sustaining. It used to have subsistence farming, uh, like we were talking about earlier. And uh, so it was, it was a completely self-contained place. And now it's almost entirely reliant on the mainland for almost everything. Because we made it that way. Yeah. We, we made sure that it would be that way. So Maybe uh, POG in this game stands for piss on gentrifiers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. perfect. I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we got, got it. Yeah, you just got to drink, like, you, you have to drink a bunch of the juice, and then fill up your piss meter, and then piss all over Mark Zuckerberg, all these types. Yeah, perfect. I'm into yeah. it. Well, and, you can, and you can use the piss to water the crops that you, it's starting, you're starting your own subsistence community that doesn't farming. seem good does it although actually you'd probably water your piss so much by drinking so much fluid that yeah would be close to just water because i don't yeah, think like the ph down. of your pet right probably isn't that's true plant. okay well maybe there's special piss approved crops remember your fruit so maybe your yeah Do, are there any um famously fermented items that a uh, hawaii makes you know like how there's like pissed on shark from iceland I yeah. don't know if they have. I, I mean, the, the yeah, weather doesn't get cold there, and usually fermented stuff comes from colder weather true, places. True. I guess we just, I guess like maybe Pog could come up with some sort of um, fermented, pest fermented foodstuffs. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I think so. Uh, could the industry of Hawaii, you know? Like, <laughs> it's because... a piss marinade. Yes. This is probably the worst thing we've ever discussed in the show. (laughs) I doubt it. Here's our next question. Uh, What is the I Love Lucy of video games? Oh. Mm, So this is a tough one because I Love Lucy is simultaneously like racist and some of the first positive representations of, of race on TV in America. It's also simultaneously feminist and super misogynistic. It's yeah. very confusing. So it's like not there, but an important step in the right direction. Yeah. 
Bayonetta? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, I'm trying to think of um, something that is more like a light comedy type thing. Hmm, Sam and Max or something? Uh, well, you know what? You know what it could be? It could be like a Sierra game. Because there are a lot of things about Sierra games that are like, you know, they're designed by women, but then they're also kind of progressive. They had police quest and all that kind of crap. Yeah. So I, I think it's a Sierra game and kind of like a, a funnier one. So maybe like, uh, I don't know, Gabriel, not Gabriel Knight, maybe, I, yeah, maybe like a King's Quest. King's Quest. Sure. Yeah, which which one is the one where you first want to play the princess? Is it King's Quest 4? Yeah, because I mean, there's lots of like, you know, early video games like there's that um, YouTube series that's just being done right now that I forget the name of um, where they're talking about the early first appearance of women in video games. Right. And they first appeared in porn games. You know, then you go through things like I guess the first thing that came to mind for them was Girls Garden that who, who did Girls Garden for Sega? Was it Yuji Naka? Yeah. Uh, something like that. But then I think like it's something like. The Sierra games makes a lot of sense because, you know, they're yeah. developed by women and they're not very good. And they have a lot of the problems of the, you know, not just in terms of game design, but also in terms of like views of women and, and so on. But like for a lot of people, those games were extremely positive in their development. Right. You know, and uh, I can totally see that. There's also Fantasy Star. I don't know if it's problematic enough, but it is a step. Towards what? Towards fantasy and stars. Towards fantasy and Towards stars. online. Towards the stars. I mean, it it had a it was an early female protagonist RPG, it, one of the earliest, and it was directed by a woman also. Um, well, I guess she did the main graphics. She was the it had a woman lead at least. I mean, it isn't that problematic though, and it's pretty well designed for no, the era. It isn't. Yeah, I think so. That that's where it falls down. It's it's a little too good to like, be. Like I I think the early porn games are much too problematic. So then we come to a nice you know middle ground with King's Quest Four. Yeah. King's Quest 4 is something that's kind of marketed towards younger audiences as well. And, you know, younger people would be watching I Love Lucy, so... That's true. I thought I Love Lucy was for middle-aged homemakers. It is, but it's, you know, it's TV of the era it could be watched by. It's not like there's tons of... Yeah, nothing else was on. Everybody watched the same show together. There was a mono demographic. Yeah. Is there is is there a famous scene in King's Quest Four where where they're uh, like Eating overwhelmed off by, a conveyor the, belt. by the number of chocolates on that conveyor belt and how much flour there is? The level of humor and that stuff is pretty equal. I will say. Yeah. <laughs> to, okay. To, yeah. All right. As long as it's got some bodyville. Yeah, I don't think there's any sequence where they stomp on grapes, but it's pretty close. Uh, King's Quest Four. That's our answer. The I Love Lucy a video game. Put yeah. it on the box. Would the world be better off if there were no video games? Oh, I don't think so. I, I, we make fun of it all the time, but I, I don't think it would be better off. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here talking about it. So, That's, so I mean, yes, for, for me, it, it, the world would not be better off without, yeah. uh, without video games. No, I think like the, the way in which the world would be better without video games is like you don't have America's army. You know, I think that even if video games didn't exist, the army would still make training simulators. Like we would still have technology. You know, they, they would have still gotten there. So I feel like. Even without yeah. video games evolving as a creative medium, there would have been some way to train you to kill better. Yeah, a bonus to having uh, no games is that we would be without the the colonizer Mario. <laughs> I find it really hard to visualize like a world without video games because to me, I think ultimately that is just a world without games, right? Like because once you have the ability to make stuff appear in the television, you're you're, you're probably going to make games with that as well as anything else, right? Because otherwise. The world we'd exist in would just be like, I guess, be watching television and reading books and stuff all the time. They wouldn't be reading books, but 
you know, they'd mostly be watching television. I there suppose. could be a world where it's done, but it doesn't like really catch on. And it was a fad like everybody predicted. Like people just don't take to it. How do you envision that? Part of history I always find most interesting when you talk about some war with our games is sort of the period of time before Dungeons and Dragons, right? I know I'm just going off on a tangent here, but I don't really care. Because like to play Dungeons and Dragons, when you really think about it, it's the simplest thing in the world. You just have a rules framework and your old dice or whatever which have existed for millennia at this point, basically, and tell stories, right? And yet for a huge period of time when it was possible, no one ever did it. And to some extent, like, I always think that, like, what was it that was stopping players? And I think to some extent people would say, like, well, people worked in the mines for 12 hours a day and they didn't come back up and go, and now I'm the elf Eragon, you know? Like, they, they just were like, I'm going to bed, I was down the fucking mines. But at the same time, it's thinking, like, well, there was nothing much else to do than listen to the bloody radio, right? You'd think that people would, would do more stuff than just, like, I guess, like, listen to the radio and sleep. But they never did until, like, the 70s, right? So I, I always find that aspect of a world without gaming more interesting, that period where they were... It was eminently possible to have them, but no one did it. I feel like to an extent, pe- people weren't, do- they weren't doing like the active role play, but you know, there's like call and response songs where it's led by one person and they'll, they'll come up with a new lyric and then yeah. someone else will come back. And in, in, in a way, that's stuff like that a, you could do at the workplace. Yeah. Uh, that was like a predecessor to that sort of thing. And it was like immersive a rather emergent interactive storytelling with with essentially a dungeon master and everyone's following along. I, I mean, well, one thing I will say is in the U.S., I mean, it can't be overstated. You know, we had the satanic panic in the 80s about and I had a, a friend whose mom would just like we had to hide playing Dungeons and Dragons because she thought it was satanic. Like they wouldn't celebrate Halloween. And fun to me that that's real. I mean, not fun, yeah. but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is totally still a thing. I imagine earlier, especially as like evangelical Christianity is kind of sweeping through and it always has been for, you know, the European colonizers of of the of the U.S. I can't imagine it catching on because they see it as inherently kind of this like pagan thing, you know, uh, taking on this identity and role playing as as these kind of like pagan type figures. And in the in the age of like the Enlightenment, you know, that's something that people would would deliberately uh, what some people would deliberately like see as bad for the soul or whatever. So I, I mean, in other countries, I'm sure. I think it's funny you mentioned that because you talk about call and response and and things like that. Like almost the idea is not like what video games didn't exist, but it's what video games didn't involve in a totally different way. There was less rules and dark focused, I guess. Because the thing about Dungeons and Dragons, right, is you're not just saying with friends having a story, right, like. You're like very engaging with a with a rules framework, and RPGs have evolved far past that. But like games are still very rules focused, and so like maybe the idea is like in the eighties and nineties and two thousands, people didn't sit down and wouldn't sit down and like play a video game. They'd have this device that allowed them to connect to I don't know a network of people and then sing songs together. I don't I don't know I, something very utopian, but maybe that could be the situation, and maybe the world would be a better place in that situation. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think like it's easy to look at the problems that we have now and be like uh, video games are the cause of this, but the cause of this is the culture and the si- yeah. you know, the systems that build and and it's not it's not really inherent to the technology itself. This is the boring answer, I know, but it's true. We need the boring answer. I yeah. like video games pretty well. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, like the, the, the simple fact is that the video games are as you say just are a symptom of the culture. Like you don't get a, a situation where everyone sits down in front of the sing box and they sing 
a wonderful connection, connecting song that keeps me connected to the community in the current culture, right? And I don't think that video games changing in respect to change the culture. It's just interesting to think about how could games have evolved mm-hmm. differently if it wasn't for the, the, the I guess, the way the culture they created, but like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons existed within a culture and the games they used exist within a culture and American football exists within a culture and that feeds all the way back, you know? Like, it's just, it's been interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, just just for a second, I want to mention that I find it an interesting thought space thinking about those utopian Star Treks where they don't have the same kind of societal problems that we have, but their games are like... They have 12-dimensional chess. It's holodeck. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's holodeck. I guess that's that's the thing. But even even then, it's like largely isolated or you invite two of your friends. It's not like, let's all be here in this holodeck and have a cool time together. I don't know. It's interesting. All right. Uh, well, after a pretty awful experimental lightning round in the last episode. Uh, <laughs> I liked it, but I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> we're going back to that old standard of name design. Uh, this is where I nice. give you the name of a thing, and you have to think of what game that like would be. Like, what that game would be with that name. <laughs> uh, okay. This week's theme comes from another dirtbagger, Yeso who suggests swear words and curses that no one uses nowadays. Uh, Yeso says that these go far as far back as medieval times, and okay. that he checked to make sure that each of these weren't racist or homophobic and were just rude. Crossing their fingers. Okay. Well, if you have a pro- yeah, so if you have yeah. problems with any of them, do not contact me. Contact Yeso, who you can probably <laughs> find at forums.insertcredit.com. You definitely can. Your first game is Rantalian. Ooh. Uh, do, I don't know this one, but do do we know what, or does it even matter what context? You Rantalian, or is it like, oh man, right in the Rantalian? Uh, what is it? What does it That's mean? up to you. Okay, okay. Uh, no, so I think it's like a it's like a, a Japanese like late '80s arcade game that maybe also had a port on like the PC eighty eighty eight or whatever. There, and it's like it's an action game where you have a sword and you know you go slashing. It's I was like kind spear. of spear. I think you got a okay, spear. Okay, you got a spear. Yeah. And and maybe there's some light like experience point or like RPG elements, sort of like action RPG elements. Can I have an alternative pitch? Uh, my pitch oh, sure. is it's it's a game where you are like a soldier running around collecting other soldiers till you reach a critical mass where you can then ram through a wall, and that's each level because you are a ram battalion, a ram battalion. Oh, but it's, it's ram battalion. Sorry, with an N. Uh, your next game is Bed Swerver. <laughs> That's, uh, it's hard not to come up with a porn game for this one, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could come up with a porn game for it then. Now, here, here's, here's one that's not a porn game. It's, you're, you're a bunch of dreamers. This is, this is like an 80s Amiga game. You're a bunch of children who are asleep, and each of you are in your bed, and you're racing to, uh, through this dreamscape. And so you've got to, you've got to swerve your bed around the other, the other opponents in order to... A little to... Nemo. Yeah, yeah. I like so it. It's, it's a little, little Nemo, but we couldn't afford the license. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haymarket Hector. <laughs> Whoa! This was a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> this this has to be a simulation game. Yeah, like Wall Street Kid or something. Yeah. So I was thinking it could either be hey, uh, a simulation game, which makes a lot of sense, or it could be one of those big head platformers. 
uh, just since Frank's not here, I've got to mention the <laughs> yeah, big head platform. We got to represent that. Um, because Haymarket Hector also sounds totally like someone's ill-formed attempt to create a mascot character. <laughs> this, is, and- this is another, we're, we're going back to making fun of bad Amiga games. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard, hard not to do it. Your next game is Arf, 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 and Arf. What? How is that a swear word? <laughs> a swear word? That's the thing a dog says. <laughs> you put an ampersand in a swear word. <laughs> three of them. Well, this is a, it's like a three dirty dwarves, except you're all dogs and there's four of you. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it's a stupid meme game of boy yeah. dogs. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's like a goat simulator, but with dogs. Bloody Nora. Oh, this it's one rules. Uh, yeah, yeah it's got to be a horror I'll say game. Bloody Nora today. Yeah, it's you'd be chased around by a bloody, kind of like a sad yeah. uh, 1800s kind of uh, nurse or something sure. called Nora um, in a, you know, an abandoned a girl's school or something. And she keeps, you know, keep, I mean, you look in a mirror, you know, she's like there and all bloody and shit. The story may or may not have been stolen from a Dario Argento film. <laughs> sure. I was thinking that the first half you do that, and then the second half you play as Bloody Nora and discover her tragic backstory Ooh. and why she actually should be terrorized. Oh, uh, let's uh, mm. win all the awards with that. Uh, <laughs> your next game is Dad Sizzle It. I love it. I love this one. Dad Sizzle oh, It. Yeah, it's a pretty okay. good one. I'm gonna start this using is another it. like wholesome core, like kind of like dream daddy dating thing, except it's except you're cooking. Oh, it's a King of the Hill game. Yeah. Yeah, you're just you're the dad doing the BBQs, and you got to flip the steaks into your family's mouths. Yeah, but yeah. it's definitely yep. got to be Liz's idea of it, of your your dating you're dating them. They're they're out in the yard. They're doing their uh, mm-hmm. their uh, their grilling. That's how you impress dates. You know, oh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're sizzling up you're, some love. You're, you're you're a single dad and you're you're a widower, so you're trying to like impress the dates, and your teenage kids are just like rolling their eyes at you. I mean, we should get Chris Grafton here for this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he, like, it, like he's happily like, married and everything, but uh, he's got all of this except yeah, for he'd, he'd make to a date great people. dad sizzlist protagonist. He would. Each dad you're trying to date would have a different amount they like their steak cooked. And yeah. You have to very carefully pay attention to that. And if the dad was like, I like my steak well done, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Goshal Potomac. <laughs> oh. Uh, Potomac is a river or a boat? I forget. I think it's a river. It's a river. Um, well, I was thinking it could be then like the uh, the Suez Canal thing where you just got a, you got a boat and uh, and they're and they're they're jam they're all jamming up it's one of those yeah. physics games and you're just jamming up all the all the boats into the potomac oh i like that one and and yeah um there's a uh, a non-copyrighted version of goofy and he says gorsh gorsh, yeah, gorsh all potomac it's like reverse jenga you're, you're trying to trying to make a jenga in the potomac group. your next game is snails with an apostrophe in front of it with an apostrophe in front and an exclamation mark at the end so that's like god's nails is that what that is it's just definitely like an Amiga, like uh, weird kind of quirky strategy game, like like worms or or, or lemmings. Yeah, Rottlers, okay. like Rottlers. Yes, I don't know what that is, but or like or like <laughs> that, that sounds like you made that one up. There's right. this game called Baldies that is like a PC strategy game that yeah. makes me think of that. But yeah, I like except think, your snails. I think Baldies came out on the Atari Jaguar. Yes, sure. it did. Uh, your next game is Mistress of the Svinifel Troll. Good lord. This one also rules. How is this a swear word? It's a Norse insult. Okay. Oh, to uh, be the is... mistress of a Sidville troll. Yeah. Uh, I guess so, yeah. 
This is like a part of a, a mini series of like point and click adventure games that are like. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, it maybe hidden object game actually. Oh okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's part of a series, and this is like you know the first one in the series. Yeah. All right. Spanish pouch. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh, I won't say anything. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's it's very possible that this one is, if not racist, slightly misogynistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's iffy. We might have to pass on this it's one. A, it's, it's a sex game. We can, we can clean it up. We can clean it up. It's Spanish um, Doraemon. Doraemon has a pocket that has, can have anything in it, and Spanish is right in the word. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I hear is Spanish pouch, and I assume it's like some kind of sex term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I assume it's a vulva. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm, yeah. Uh, Ragnar hairy trousers. <laughs> I mean, these are all Amiga games. That's yeah, there really are. There's Amiga games as well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Any game made in the UK between, like, 1982 and 1989. All right. <laughs> and uh, finally, Windfucker. Windfucker. It's a sequel to Windjammers. Hey, no, no. See, uh, Windfucker isn't a swear word, though. Windfucker was what they used to call a bird, isn't it? Like, I thought windfuckers were like swifts or something like that. So actually, because like fuck wasn't a, wasn't really a swear word, right? Back in the day, it was just like a term. So like, I I, I don't know. I'm starting to think this entire uh, round is completely moot because that windfucker is not a swear word. This whole system is out of According order. According to the Wiktionary, it was used as an insult uh, for quite a while there. Uh, oh. Matthew, it's the, it's the, the common kestrel. Yeah. Kestrel, yeah. The Kestrel's just become a windfucker. Kestrels are really cute as well. I like a Kestrel. So it's a game about a cute little Kestrel uh, killing a uh, little base and shit. I like that. Sure. Flying around, eating masses. Um, so I'm tallying the points here, and Brandon, you actually won this episode. Congratulations. Yeah, how'd that happen? I don't know. A come-from-behind victory. You're going to have to come up with the first question for next week's I'm show. I'm going to come up with something. Oh, before we move along, I just want to tell everybody that I figured out what that freaking game is that i've been trying to figure out for like six months that works yeah with the, with the hands the it's hands. called it's called hylix or um and oh yeah yeah hylix yeah i've heard hylix of that two just came out a little while ago and um it, it's it's just gorgeous to look at go take a Mystery look at it. solved it's it's a french game speaking of european games oh uh, the france uh one of the services we provide at forums.insertcredit.com is trying to identify games based on vague clues that would have been a good one so uh, this is the point in the show where we recommend things for our listeners to engage in or uh, plug whatever things we might happen to be working on if we are so inclined. Oh, yeah. What do I got? What do I got? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I have a recommendation. Speaking of things that are problematic, I recommend <laughs> the the Jack Frost horror film of 1997. Um, yeah. Has anybody else seen this movie? I am aware of the marketing campaign. I haven't seen that one, but I think I've seen Jack Frost. Which is the one where he goes to Hawaii? Is that two or three? I think I've seen that That's one. That's two. That's two. Yeah. Um, the it's so it's so dumb. The director also worked on that game where John Cusack is like multiple personalities, whatever thing. And that was like a big budget movie. And he uh, he joked that Jack Frost was made for the the cost of that movie's catering budget. It's about a serial killer who's on his way to death row, and then the prison vehicle crashes with an experimental science vehicle of some sort that um melts him and turns him he fuses with the snow and then he becomes a sentient snowman and he can uh he can do murders on on everybody and wow he does. i didn't know that was the plot that's the plot and it's so stupid and like but they're proper there are some legitimately funny jokes 
in it. Like there's a tense scene where the 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 local sheriff who's got to take this guy down hears a sound outside of his his uh his house and he like pulls out his gun and there's like tense music playing and he's going to go going to go get this guy and then he just he just bonks his head on the lamp overhead as he as he walks outside and he's like Whoa! and it's, it's just like this tiny little moment that is so inane and stupid and it ruins all the tension but it's they did it on purpose and i love it so um but it does have some problematic stuff in it but um yeah give a look to that and then i'll also recommend the movie pig starring nicholas i've heard of that one that is a movie that people thought was going to be like john wick with a pig it's not like that it's not a movie that you're going to want to watch like 50 times but it's cool to watch it once because it's just like an hour and a half movie i love those about one thing and it does that thing pretty well and it's like even though it starts off it has like tension in it and peaks and valleys and stuff it winds up giving you this kind of quiet wistful feeling in the end and i think it's it's a well done well done movie and i enjoyed it so you should give it a give it a look see yeah yeah i liked that a lot too i was yeah. i was really yeah. impressed by the by that because me too like brandon said like there's this sense of it going in one direction and then it subverts that but you know something something subverts something you're like oh here's a subversion but you don't really dwell on the subversion of the, yeah. of the trope basically you you instead just enjoy the movie for what it is and yeah in the end it's very effective and affecting you think it's going to go in one direction but it doesn't exactly not go in that direction it just doesn't go in that direction in the usual way like it just it doesn't like it's not like rah rah action let's punch everybody but it's it's not it doesn't get you there in a mild way either so it's a it's medium spice yeah it's 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 well seasoned i would i'm gonna see it this weekend i'm excited i'll i'll just mention cruelty squad even though i haven't played it because i've watched a bunch of playthroughs of it yeah uh, but also, uh, I have been playing this game called Salad Fields, which I'm sure no one has heard of. Um, yeah, Sally Fields for short. Yeah, Sally Fields. Yes. Um, but it's a it's a puzzle game, uh, like an indie puzzle game made by a queer furry couple, and the puzzles are quite good. And there's a bunch of different kinds of puzzles in them. It's kind of one of those things, one of those games. There's always a few of them. Like, I mean, uh. I guess there's multiple examples I can think of uh, that game Infernium that Bennett Foddy really likes, but it's just a game that is like surprisingly ambitious that goes completely under the radar and, you know, very few people have heard of it or played it. So uh, it's probably a good time to mention it. Yeah. Salad Fields. Yeah. I've got some recommendations. Uh, I've really been enjoying this new audio program called Batman the Audio Adventures. Uh, you get it on HBO Max and it's also it has a staggered release on Spotify right now. It's basically like, um, you know, all those cute uh, henchmen banters in the uh, Arkham video games, kind of building out the reality of the world of Gotham City, kind of a podcast like that. And it's like an official DC product and it's pretty cool. Uh, so if you're into Batman stuff at all, I would recommend that. Um, do we skip would, over Matthew Kumar in terms um, of his recommendations? I thought Matthew was, oh, P I also like Pig. He was just agreeing with Pig. I don't know if that was your recommendation. I mean, it wasn't directly my recommendation, but I'll allow it. Like, yeah. All right. I, I thought that's what that was. Okay, all right. Okay. Just check. Well, Matthew, we'll have you on another time to do your own recommendation. Because right now, I would also like to recommend that if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, that you engage with us in that way. It's good for the algorithms that push us towards other people's 
eyeballs. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit. No, it pushes them to their eyeballs so that they can then put the podcast in their earballs. Oh, yeah, they have to fair. see it before they can listen. To that's it. a good point. I'm I right. think about my words, Brandon. Okay, I think okay. about my words. Not me. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, get our regular episodes one day early. One day early. One day early. One day early. <laughs> and even access monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You can jo- also join us on forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. Forums? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I would recommend the forums because Twitter is kind of a hell site that you shouldn't visit unless you really have to. Uh, but if you must, the show is at Insert Credit. I'm Alex Jaffe. Brandon is at Necrosofty. Matthew is at Matthew Kumar with one T for some godforsaken reason. One T only. One T only. One T only. And uh, Liz Ryerson is Ella Guru because uh, she made her Twitter handle before people started using their real names. Uh, the show is <laughs> edited true. by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Brandon Sheffield. Uh, Matthew's next. I was Matthew Kumar. And I'm Liz Ryerson. And you have now completed the episode. Congratulations. I think my favorite of these is Bloody Nora. That's the one I'm going to start using. I think Gosh All Potomac is just funny. It's not something that I would say, yeah, but Gosh All Potomac.